uh, Friday night, for those of you who were at the, uh, who came to the Friday night service, I, uh, <laughs> number one, uh, Cheryl texted me Thursday night, which I didn't get until Friday morning, and said, would, would you and Dale be glad, to, uh, be all right to read tonight? And I said, well, yeah, we'll read something, it's not a problem. Get, on, get here to the service and realize we're the service, and I had no clue on that. So anyway, um, but one of the readings, and I've lost it, but one of the readings was from Matthew, and um, knowing that I'd been preparing about Elijah all week, my, my topic is Elijah and the prophets of Baal, so, uh, but I can cover Elijah up to the Mount Carmel, and so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, just thinking about Elijah and what an important person he was, I had, I had to read this passage. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a, got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar. He put it on a stick. He offered to Jesus to drink. And the rest of him said, just leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. I never really thought about that. But why uh, would they think Elijah was coming to save Jesus? Why would they think that God himself... Why would... Just why... To me, that's random. Why would they pick Elijah? I don't want you to answer. I want you to just think about it while we talk about Elijah. Uh, one of the most, uh, one of the prophets that dominates the Old Testament, uh, probably the prophet, is Elijah. It's said about Elijah, his eminence is seen both in the religious reformation which he wrought and the fact that the New Testament speaks of him more than any other Old Testament prophet. Moreover, it was he who was chosen to appear with Moses at our Lord's transfiguration. And further, from this point of, it, of his ministry of the prophets in the two Hebrew kingdoms becomes more prominently emphasized. One of Israel's most startling and romantic characters, he suddenly appears on the scene as a crisis prophet. With thunder on his brow and tempest in his voice, he disappears just as suddenly, swept skywards in chariot of fire. Uh, between his first appearing and his final disappearing, his li lies a succession of amazing miracles. Uh, tell me about Elijah. What do you know about Elijah? <coughs> Fiery chariot. Fiery chariot. Okay, chariot of fire, and he went off into heaven, chariot of fire. Who else didn't die? In the Bible. Enoch. Enoch and and. Nobody really clarified the whole Melchizedek thing for me, so maybe Melchizedek as well. But they didn't die. What else about Elijah? He was the Martin Luther of his day. If you look at the, uh, if you look at the, the divided kingdoms, I don't expect you to. To remember this, but this is this is Judah and this is the northern kingdom. The, the the Judah kings seem to have had a little bit more stability than the northern kingdom. They just went wacko in the north. Okay, so we're here at uh, at 
Ahab and Omri. Uh, we're right in that, that area, and that's where Elijah comes and appears on the scene. Okay? Um, one of the things that I love most about Elijah is this one in James. Elijah was a human being just like us. Think about that. He wasn't out there. You know, there's some people that are just, Elijah was just a good old guy wearing overalls. Hilton was telling me about his grandfather. He can remember him uh, dressing, wearing pressed, clean and pressed overalls and a jacket for Easter. Now, that's Elijah. That's Elijah. Elijah was just like us. He wasn't trying to put on any, any pretense. Um, let's see. We got that. So, I just want to... I'm big on geography, so I just want to bring you into just a few maps. Um, so, this is Galilee. Um, it, he's first going to go down to Kareth. Well, first of all, he was from Tishbe. He was a Tishbite. And then he's going to go to the brook Kareth uh, real quick here, God's going to, and I'm not really going to read any of that. Uh, God, God's going to set the first word, well, look at 17, 1 Kings 17. Let's just look at that together and we'll just kind of go through it quickly. 1 Kings 17. That Zerub is going to be in modern day, that'd be like Syria today? It is, no, it's Lebanon, Lebanon, to up near Tyre and Sodom. Um, let's see, where are his first words? Well, look at, let's look at 29, uh, 16.29. Start there. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any of those before him. He's not only he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethabal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. Now, so number one, Ahab who's the king in the north at this time, the king of the north. Um, he is the worst of the worst. And then, to prove how bad he is, he goes and he marries Jezebel, who is bad herself. So they're doubly bad now, okay? Um, they're bad, bad. He set, look at, keep going with me. He set up an altar before Baal, the temple of, before Baal, in the temple of Baal he had built in Samaria, right in the middle of the northern kingdom. Ahab also made the Asher pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all of the kings of Israel before him. Now that's quite a feat. This is a bad dude. Let me show you how bad he is. Look in verse 34. In Ahab's time, this seems like it's just a meanwhile back at the ranch kind of deal. But what it is is, as soon as he married Jezebel, he started putting stuff in the face of God. That's what he did. That's the way I read this. In Ahab's time, Howl of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. Now we know in Joshua, when Joshua came across and they destroyed Jericho by blowing the trumpets and all that, they said this city will never be rebuilt. And until that day, until Ahab, it was never rebuilt. But Ahab told Howl of Bethel, you go rebuild it. I don't have confirmation of that. That's my speculation. But that's how bad it was. Well, that's interesting. Um, we were at that. Uh, so he, may, he, he asked him to go and rebuild. And look at what happened. 
He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abram. Okay, some people would say that his firstborn son just died. Other people would say that he sacrificed his firstborn son as a foundation offering for the building of that. That's how bad it was. Uh, then he lost his youngest son when they built the gates. And if you know anything about the gates, the gates are enormous. For some reason, the walls aren't really that, that, but the gates are enormous and they have all these rooms and all this stuff. It's just a lot of rock in building the gates. So once again, he sacrificed his youngest son when building the gates. Think about how awful that is. That's just, that's Ahab. So, as soon as that happens, the first words, and I can't even find it here because I can't see. The first words, oh, look at 17.1. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, speak, lives, whom I serve, neither dew nor rain in the next few years at my word. I'm saying it's not going to rain, it's not going to do, it's not going to do. Those are the first, that's the first thing we ever hear of Elijah as he comes onto the scene. So, He's from Tishbe, and Ahab, when he said this, Ahab says, I'm going to kill him. And so God sweeps him away, and he comes over here and stays in Kareth, the, the brook Kareth, the, the wadi Kareth. Does anybody know what a wadi is? W-A-D-Y, all over the Middle East, that's all they have, it's wadis. And a wadi, we would call a wadi here a va of kind of a valley, like going up from Jericho to, to Jerusalem is a huge wadi. And what happens is you can't walk in wadis. You no walk in wadis. No walk in wadis because you could be walk. That's exactly right. It, you could be walking in a wadi down by the Dead Sea, and you could be you, you see these wadis, these these drainage ditches, literally. You could be walking in a wadi and all of a sudden you could be swept away by 40 feet of water because it rained in Jerusalem 60 miles away and it, it comes down and you're just looking at a wall of water. So you don't walk in wadis. But he stayed in the wadi over at Kareth Brook and what happened to him over there? Ravens fed him. And they would bring him food in the morning and in the evening and he would eat it. Now, Dell and I were teaching the sixth grade uh, boys and girls. We used to do that every other summer, and we would teach them stories from the Old Testament. We called it the big picture. And so I was teaching one morning, I was teaching this particular story about Elijah being fed by the ravens. And I was trying to think, what is a bird around Middle Tennessee that they could equate it to? And the only thing I could equate it to was a turkey vulture. So we talked about defense mechanisms of animals. We talked about sheep. Their defense mechanism is bah. Uh, dogs bark. Uh, turkey vultures, what do they do? Anybody? Projectile vomiting. <laughs> and and they, can, uh, they, they can hawk a loogie at about 20 feet, put it right straight in your face. And what do those, what are those, what do they eat? They eat roadkill. And so now I've got all those sixth graders like this, man. Their eyes are this big. They're just going, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Our teacher told me. So anyway, so you fast forward and Travis uh, T 
Thomas Swafford. When Tony and when when Tony and Tara, when their boys would turn 13, uh, Tony would take them off on a weekend by themselves, just do their favorite thing, which was hunting. And so he was taking Thomas to Arkansas to duck duck hunt. So they're sitting in a duck blind, and they have a guide and the whole thing, and they're sitting there, and they're looking out, and uh, the guide says, Thomas, they can't, there's no ducks. They're waiting on ducks. It's freezing. Thomas, what are those birds right out there? And Thomas goes, I have no idea. And uh, the guy says, Thomas, those are turkey vultures. And Thomas turns to him and says, do you know what the defense mechanism of a turkey vulture is? <laughs> and the guy said, what? And he goes, it's projectile vomiting. It's in the Bible. <laughs> so anyway, that's... That's the Brooke Kara story. Okay, and then he goes from there to the widow of Zarephath. Now, Zarephath, let, let me go to the next slide. Just look at, uh, look at Israel here. This is Israel. Uh, down below us is Judah. See, we're not even, uh, Jerusalem's not even on the map here. Let, let me, this is, that's bad. Okay, look. So Jerusalem's right here. This is the Dead Sea. Everything above this, you see Israel, that's Israel, this is Judah. The widow of Zarephath is somewhere right in here. This is modern-day Haifa. Um, and the Sea of Galilee, okay, the way it, the, here's the way it works. The Mediterranean Sea, there's no real beaches. It's real rocky and craggy. And right off the Mediterranean Sea coastline, it's probably, it goes up 70, 100 feet, right? Bob, you went hang gliding there, didn't you, Bob? That's what they said. Yeah, you did. I saw it. <laughs> but they, it, it, it comes right off the coastland. Then this part is called the Shephelah, and that's real rich, fertile soil. Right here is the Mount Carmel mountain range, and Carmel is literally about seven miles inside. Uh, that's, that's where we're going to be talking about today. So... Um, if you come down the Sea of Galilee and you come down the Valley of the Doves, this is the Valley of Jezreel. The Jezreel Valley, Megiddo, will be somewhere right in here. Nazareth on the other side of Megiddo. It's all so interconnected. Those are about 10 to 11 miles apart, okay? Uh, why did I say all that? Just to give you some idea. So he goes from right here back over to Zarephath, which is in... Um, modern-day Lebanon, near Tyre and Sidon in Lebanon. That's where he would have gone to hide out. So why, number one, what is the god Baal? Does anybody know what the god Baal is? What? No, no. It's, it's, Baal is more storm god. Baal, Baal is the god of harvest, god of the harvest, the storm god, the rain god, the god that makes the weather. God does. That's why when Elijah comes on the scene, he says, it's not going to rain anymore. I'm going to show you his who's boss. As God says, it ain't going to rain. And so he's attacking Baal from the very beginning. And so these Baal people are looking for him. Where does he go? He goes to Zarephath, which is in the heart of Baal country, to hide out. 
and there's a drought and everybody's dying and there's nothing to eat. And uh, there's even a part here, and I'm not going to read it, where Ahab is sending, well, Obadiah, who was also a, a, God, a God person, was sending him to uh, look for grass and, and a pasture where they could take their cattle where the cows won't die. It's getting rough. Everybody's dying. Join with me in, uh, join with me in uh, the latter part of the widow of Zarephath. Um, he comes to her and he, he says, hey, make me something to eat. And she says, I'm in 17. Just Okay, seven, let's just start at 17.7. We'll go through it quickly. Sometime later the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land and the word of the Lord came to him. Go, to, go at once to Zarephath and Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow to take uh, in the place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and when he came to the town of the gate, the widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and said, would you bring me a little water so that I, I can drink? And she was going, as she was going to get it, he said, also bring me a piece of bread. And he said, as surely as the Lord lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks, make a meal for my son and myself so that we may eat it and die. And he says, don't be afraid. You go do as I ask. If you give me bread, there'll be enough for you and your son and your oil pots and your flower pots will never run out as long as this drought, drought is there. She obviously believed him. That's the thing. She believed him. Uh, and he and did and as far as I know they were eating everything was fine until what happens the son gets sick and then he dies and she's like what ha what kind of evil have you brought on me now she's not a God fearer but she realizes he's a man of God and she says what kind of evil have you brought on me that's not gonna work well um, and what kind of evil have you brought on me? And he goes, and what does he do to the son to raise him? He lays prostrata, prostrata on him three times. The first time, and he said, God, would you heal him? And then he gets up, and God didn't heal him. And he does it, again, and he does it three times, and finally the boy lives. And the lady says, the widow says, now I can see you are from God. Um, go with me now to uh, uh, chapter 18. His confrontation with Obadiah. Obadiah is searching for the stuff to keep the, uh, the cattle, keep Ahab's cattle living. By the way, if you look at all these, um, all these little, uh, these are the sons of uh, Jacob, all the tribes of Israel, Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, Dan, Manasseh, Reuben, that. I want you to see this one right here. Dan, 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 Dan. What's up with that? Does anybody know what's up with that? I'm going to say no to that. Okay. Yeah, sorry. That's probably that's prob right. And I know she's probably going to show me a scripture and verse on that and just say, but. The, this is the area, and the only thing I think about, I'm thinking about what's going on there right now because I'm, I'll be there in 10 days. Uh, Gaza. This is Gaza. Gaza has never been part of Israel. Notice who, well, notice who lives in Gaza. The Philistines. They live in Gaza. Even, even in 1948 when they petitioned it, they gave Gaza to who? 
the Egyptians. The Egyptians control Gaza. They've never controlled Gaza. The Danites, who was the most famous Danite? Samson. Samson. Samson could not, even though he was, a most, he was a judge, most famous Danite, he could not control the area that was apportioned to him. And that's why the Danites eventually died out and they went up north where nobody fought them. Where nobody would fight them. Right. That's right. Man, that's total vindication. Thanks for today, guys. I <laughs> so anyway, I don't know why I said that. But just look at all, the, all, these, all these places around. There were also, see, there were tribes that were yeah, given. What, you know, Buddy Hackett said the Jews should have driven up Israel and come over to Miami Beach. They could have had that. <laughs> that still may work. I don't know. Um, okay, so look at chapter 18. So Obadiah, I'm going to finish the conversation with Obadiah and just, just tell you about it. Obadiah says to Elijah, look, my, my king Ahab has been searching the world. He has threatened every nation. If you know where this guy is, you better tell me. If not, I'm going to, I'm, I'll, I'm going to kill you. And Obadiah says, I can't go to him and say, I found Ahab. Because if I do, he'll kill me. Because we've said, you're gone. You're out of here. Well, eventually he convinces him to go to, go to Ahab. And Ahab presents himself um, presents himself um, verse 15 as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve I will surely present myself to Ahab today 16 so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah when he saw Elijah he said is it you you troubler of Israel I've, and Elijah said I've not made trouble for Israel but you and your father's family have you've abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baal now summon the people of Israel and meet me on Mount Carmel. Bring all 400 of your Baal prophets and 400 of your uh, Asherah prophets. That's the sexual deal, the Asherah prophets, who eat at Jezebel's table. Interestingly enough, they didn't kill those guys. They killed the Baal prophets. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel that the prophets were going to assemble and Elijah went before the people. How long will you be between two opinions? In other words, how long will you sit on the fence? You either follow God or you follow Baal. Um, I was thinking about that this week because our Wednesday night class, our heretic class, uh, reading an N.T. Wright book, and we, uh, he was talking about the different idols that we have. Money, power, uh, sex. They become idols to us. So to some of us, it means as much as there, it, uh, the room we have in our lives for God, those things have taken part of that. And that's exactly, that's exactly what the children of Israel were faced with right here. They, will, they wanted their crops to bloom and everything to be fertile and all that. They, they wanted all that to happen. Um, so Ahab did more evil at first. Okay, and then I've already done that one. Uh, what I do want to show you is that Ahab, this is extra biblical. We, one, of the, one of the big things when you talk to millennials is, well, nobody believes that Bible thing because not, that's not true. But we have extra biblical sources that are 3,000 years old that have these inscriptions about Ahab. The monolith inscription, Shalemanzer III formed a coalition of the Damascus and Ahab of Israel 
The Assyrian text notes that Ahab contributed 10,000 foot soldiers and 2,000 chariots. So that was, was 3,000 years ago. We have proof etched in a rock that that happened. And then up until Dan, where you saw Dan on the map there, that's called today Tel Dan because it's been excavated. Uh, the Mesha steel, uh, 835 B.C., this is, it, it's Mesha's revolt against Omri's son Ahab. Who else could that be? That's pretty much who it is. Um, okay. Um, I'll save that one for a minute. Uh, so let's go to Mount Carmel. Um, Mount Carmel is, is right there on that little mountain range over by the Mediterranean. And uh, uh, look at verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet, meet Ahab uh, and told him. And Ahab uh, went to meet Elijah. I'm sorry, I've already read that. Uh, look at verse 22. And Elijah said to him, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left because Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls and let them choose for themselves. So I'm not going to read this. You know what he did. They, they brought the prophets of Baal and they said, you prepare your bulls. And they go up to the top of Mount Carmel, which is about 1,500 feet, overlooking the Jezreel Valley. Um, it's about 1,500 feet up. And a great crowd of Israelites gathered Great crowd, all the Baal people gathered, and they prepared their sacrifice. Now, then, you always read about the high places in Israel. The high places are just mountains. At the top of every mountain, something has happened. Carmel is where Elijah did this. Across the valley, let me let me um, let me get that back and show you. This is at the top from the top of Mount Carmel. That's Mount Tabor right there. Uh, the Catholics have built a huge church up there. They think that's where the transfiguration took place. Uh, some people think it's on Mount Hermon. They've also built one on top of Mount Hermon. They just build them anywhere they want. I mean, it's, uh, we don't really know. But this is the Jezreel Valley. Does anybody know what happens in the Jezreel Valley? At the end of the Jezreel Valley, about right here, is Mount Megiddo. You with me? Har Megiddo means mountain of Megiddo, Har Megiddo, Armageddon. The Jezreel Valley is where that, that happens. The Jezreel Valley today is one of the most fertile, uh, fertile places. You see all the gardening, all the crops. It's one of the most fertile places on earth. It supplies Europe with about a third of all their vegetables and fruits. It's, a, it's absolutely amazing. So they're at the top of Mount Carmel and they prepare the sacrifices because this is a high place. And they take their bulls and they cut them up and whatever they do, and then they pray. And they pray all day, and they pray harder. And I love the taunts <clears throat> that Elijah has. Um, that I mean, verse twenty-six. So they took the bull and they prepared it. They called on the name of Bell from morning till noon. Oh, Bell, answer us! But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they made. And at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Deep in thought. Eric, translate that for us. Have you ever done that before? I don't know. I haven't seen it either. Well, 
But I, the, the, the commentary. I'm going to comment about the busy. Yeah. I do know what the busy is. Okay. Uh, the busy is uh, referring to someone who's probably in the bathroom. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So he's, he's occupied, as the King James would say. He's occupied. He's, is he sitting on the commode? <laughs> that literally. Um, he's taunting them. Maybe he's sleeping or maybe he must be awakened. They shouted louder and they slashed themselves. That the, the word there is not slash, it's emasculate. They, they were cutting their genitals. Anything they could do to wake Baal up. With swords and spears, as, were their, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed. They continued to be frantic until the time for the evening sacrifice. What time is that? It's around 6 o'clock in the evening. And then Elijah called to all the people, come here. And they repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Nobody had been using the altar of the Lord. They'd been using the Baal altar, if they ever went to Carmel at all. And you know what he did. He filled the pots, and he poured it with water, and he poured it and called down fire from God. And God consumed the, the bull, the fire, the rocks, everything, down to dirt, gone. And then... He said, get the Baal prophets. And they took them down into the Jezreel Valley. And just because Elijah was a mean guy and because he hated those Baal prophets, he killed them. Is that what happened? Deuteronomy 13.6 If your own fool brother or your son or your daughter or your beloved wife or your close friend seduce you secretly and say... Let's go serve other gods you've not known previously with your ancestors. The gods of the surrounding people of the area far from you, from one end of the earth to the other. You must not give in to him or even listen to him. Don't, do not sympathize for him or spare not cover for him. Instead, you must kill him without fail. Your own hand must be the first to put him to death in the hand of the whole community afterwards. You must pelt him to death with stones. He tried to entice you away from God who delivered you from the land of Egypt. Thus all of Israel will hear and be afraid and no longer continue to do evil of this in their midst. So it wasn't Elijah that killed him. It was the people. And they stoned and killed 400 of them. That's a massacre. That's a massacre. And that happened down in, down in the uh, Jezreel Valley. Um, down in this valley off, off of the mountain. I guess he didn't want to desecrate the mountain. And then he said, and we're, I'm going to finish. Then he said um, to Ahab, he says, go home and eat, but you need to get out of here because it's going to rain. Now, what's interesting about that is Mount Tabor, does anybody remember anything that happened on Mount Tabor? Um, Let's go back. I'm not going to play it again. Go back to Deborah and Barak. And Deborah says, the, the Philistines or whatever army, I didn't look it up, whatever army is down here in the Jezreel Valley, the children of Israel on Mount Tabor. And Barak goes to Deborah and says, I'm not leading them. And Deborah goes, if you don't lead them, then forever it will be known that a woman, a woman did it. And what did God do? He sent the rains so much 
that the chariots mired, and that's exactly what Ahab's referring to. You better get out of here because it's going to rain and you don't want to get your chariot stuck. Isn't that cool? So then what does Elijah do? He goes back up to the top of Mount Carmel and he says, uh, where does all the rain come from? It, it comes off, from, off the Mediterranean. comes off of the Mediterranean. Go back to the maps. It comes off to the Mediterranean and, and then it goes across goes across the mountain, clears it, and then it heads on. That's, that's how the rains would come. So he does what he tells his servant what? I'm sorry? Look toward the sea. He, look toward the sea. Okay, you can't see the sea from the top of Mount Carmel. So the guy runs to the sea and he comes back and he goes, I don't see any clouds. And Elijah says what to him? Go up to seven times. That's what he says. It's seven and a half miles from the top of Carmel to the Mediterranean. That guy ran 50 miles, and he came back on the seventh time, and he goes, I see, I see like a little hand. I see a little hand out there. And it rained, and so that's it. So all, all along, and I haven't, covered, I haven't talked about this, but how much time do I have? Okay. All along, Elijah keeps saying, what, tell me about Elijah's pity party, because he has a pity party two or three times. I'm sorry? I'm the only one left. I'm the, he says it over and over. He really believes it. And God shows him, you're not the only one left. He has a pity party. So much so that, does anyone, anybody know how Judaism has treated this? <coughs> Does anybody know how Judaism is treated? I'm the only one left. Does anybody ever at a Passover seder? What do you set at the end of the table? At the end of the table, you set a plate for Elijah. Why? Because Elijah said, "I'm the only one." And in Judaism, Elijah is—it's believed that Elijah is required to attend every bris, every wedding, every funeral every Passover from here into eternity just so he knows he's not the only one left. I just think that's cool. That's a cool thing. Um, so, back to my original deal at the foot of the cross. Why would they say, let, let me do one more thing. Who are the Jews looking for today? What are the Jews looking for? Why does Amy Jill look at me and say, Jesus is not the Messiah. That's that's what she would say. That's what she would say. She would say as soon as I see, um, well, as soon as she would say as soon as I see the sick healed, the captive set free, then I, I will believe that he's here. But what she misses is that's our job. That's our job. That's our part. That's our part of it. Uh, through the power of Jesus. Uh, but the Jews are looking for three things. They're looking for the prophet like Moses. Deuteronomy 18 says, I'm going to send you a prophet just like Moses. The whole Gospel of John was written to prove that Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Uh, then, I'm going to send you Elijah 
Malachi 4.5 says, Before Messiah comes, I will send Elijah. So now we're on the, and then the, the Messiah. Those are the three things Jews are looking for. So we're at the cross. Jesus hanging on the cross. He's just called on God. And they say, he's calling Elijah. Why, why would they say that? I think, I think in the Jewish mind, and remember, that, that's only found in Matthew and Mark. I think it's written to Jews. I think, well, Mark's written to Gentiles as well. I think it's, they're, they're standing there and they're going, okay, he might be the Christ, but until Elijah comes, we can't really confirm he's. So I'm giving him one more shot. If Elijah comes and takes him off the cross, he's the Messiah. Jesus said in Matthew 11 that John the Baptist was Elijah, if you can, if you can take it. That's what he said. So, answering my own question, I think that... Well, that's good. That means we don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's one more thing I wanted to show you, and I'm done. Um, that Elijah, just like Paul, remember, Elijah goes from here, he goes straight to where? Running from Ahab. He goes to Horeb, Sinai. He goes to Horeb, Sinai. Mountain of God. That's where he do the thing about the still wind. He's looking for God. And God says, you didn't have to come here, dude. I'm everywhere. And, but... Elijah only quotes what God says. The Lord told him. The Lord told him. I've already told the widow, the provider. This is what the Lord got of it. All that. He only does what God tells him to do. What does Paul do when Paul's knocked off his horse going to Damascus? What's the first thing he does? He goes to Horeb. Mount Sinai in the spirit of Elijah to learn and it says over and over it was revealed to me God told me this is what happened that's how he got what he got okay Any, anybody comments I'm done <laughs> we can get the we can beat the Baptist for lunch here we go good <laughs> but don't you love this, this story though, it's a great story yeah. it even preaches to six year olds oh, I mean six graders really well to that fifth grade boy <laughs> <laughs> Randall do you think uh, when, the, when the Jews are at the cross and, and they say oh he's calling Elijah do you think that they're saying he's calling Elijah or are they asking is he calling Elijah and if they're asking they're the, they're the ones that crucified him. I know. And I think there's two I think there's two or three crowds there too. The people that did the triumphal entry and, and shouted Hosanna 
are probably not the same people that are shouting crucify, crucify. It's the, Jew, the uh, Jerusalem Jews that are saying crucify. I, I, I just think that's an that's a interesting thought. Interesting. He might. The, story of the widow, too, I think uh, with the oil and the flour never running out, God's providence. Right. Uh, I think we as Christians sometimes don't love the power of our Christian community. Sometimes good and bad, how we, we just continue to have what we need to get by. You know? That's right. He doesn't promise us abundance necessarily. Remember how Elijah dressed, what he ate. He was a wild guy. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. And he makes it to the transfiguration. Think of all the prophets. I mean, why not? Why not um, uh, Isaiah? Isaiah seemed to get more of a vision than anybody. He's a big, but Elijah. Because Elijah confronted the evil in front of him. Isaiah came, it was a little bit more peaceful time. <clears throat> right, right. And the tipping point for God is you can do bad things, adultery, drunkenness, and do all kinds of stuff. But when you turn to other gods, that's where he draws the line. Well, and even more, I would go even further than that. When you start killing your children, it's 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 babies, and and you know, we have to think about that in light of abortion in America. That's a that's a deal. We're done. All right. Happy Easter, everybody. Go in peace.